In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In creation, God brought order to chaos. In the creation of man, God took a formless mass of dust and fashioned it into man. From his side, he brought forth and created a woman, bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, a counterpart and helper to him. She submitted faithfully to her loving husband. Together, they had dominion over the world and it was very good. Their life came from God. They depended upon him for their every breath. Without his word, they would die. But they wanted something more. They wanted to be like God. They wanted to be their own gods. So they severed themselves from his word, and they found death. Sin means separation from God, from the life that he gives, so sin means death. Immediately they die spiritually, and they run away from God. Physical death would come, but God in his great mercy delays it. He gives the opportunity for repentance, the time for you to look at your life and see that your death is coming. That's what Ash Wednesday is all about. It takes your death and it plasters it to your forehead. It sets the image of death before you in the ash you see on your neighbor's face. Death is coming for you, O sinner. And with death comes decay. Bodies age and fall apart. You, O man, are dust, and you will return to it. Sin means that you are dust and ash. Ash Wednesday preaches to you that this is your life without God. It is a call to repentance, a call to see your sin and to run to Christ, your Savior, for his forgiveness. And you seek life with him because he is gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love. His faithfulness and justice is done in forgiving you and cleansing you of all your sins. And thus, this is the Christian life of repentance and faith. In today's gospel, Jesus speaks of one of those fruits of faith, of fasting. Now, when you read the Old Testament, you find times of required fasting. And generally speaking, such fasting came alongside repentance. Even now, fasting is a good and godly discipline. One of the signs of the enemies of Christ is that their God is their belly. But your God is not your belly. Your God is the one true Lord who purchased you with his own blood. So fasting becomes an opportunity to teach yourself that your desires are not your God. They don't call the shots. And if you desire to fast this Lenten tide, but you need some advice, talk to one of your pastors and we can help you with that. Now, Christians are free as to how and when they fast. But there is no such freedom when it comes to God's commandments. Going outside of God's will and the life he gives is not freedom, but slavery. It's cutting yourself off from God's word the life that leads to death. 
And so have you, dear Christian, granted yourself this false freedom and gone beyond your Lord's gracious boundaries? As we begin this holy season of Lent, consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Have you misused the name of Jesus, the precious name he granted you in holy baptism? Have you used his name to curse your neighbor and to damn those who offend you? Have you used his name to bless? Have you played around with God's word, despising what God says or scorning certain Christian doctrines? Do you consider God's word something to fit into your schedule when it's convenient? Do you gladly hear and learn God's word, or or do you despise it and preaching of it? Do you despise and anger your parents? Have you withheld your time or your possessions from them? Are you breaking some law or civil ordinance? Do you always deal with your neighbor in kindness? Does your heart rage against those who cause you trouble? Do you subdue the vengeance that rises in your heart? Are you patient? Do you engage in unchastity with someone who isn't your beloved husband or wife? Do you imagine or look at unwholesome things? Do you practice temperance and self-control? Are you generous toward your neighbor? When you see the many ways your neighbor sins, do you tell others, only sharing so that he will get into trouble or to puff yourself up? Do you take into account that by gossiping you have committed the greater sin? Do you scheme and angle under a show of right to get what God has not given you? Do you withhold your happiness and cheer until you have a better car? or another house, or a new job? Do you withhold your joy until you have more money or more enjoyment in this life? Do you consider that the Lord has already blessed you enough to gain your endless praises? And all this is to say, do you have other gods? Do you have faith in the true God? Do you fear him, love him, and trust him above all things. Now, hearing these commandments should lead you to change your behavior, but more than that, they should lead you to cry out to God in contrite confession. For if you hold on to your sins, you cannot safely stand before God. The Apostle John says that God is faithful and just to forgive But how can faithfulness and justice mean forgiveness? Is not justice sending us to death and punishment forever in hell as our sins deserve? Consider that your guilt is already handed over to Jesus. And he has paid that awful price. It is already and fully accomplished. That means that your God is not only willing to forgive you, but he is eager to do so. He delights in forgiving you, in taking your sins away from you. You know that Lent is a serious time, a time of reflecting on your sins. But Lent is not a time of fear. It's not a time to pretend that you don't know how it ends. For you know that your Lord has risen from the dead, and you address your sins with that knowledge. 
Thus you have certainty and confidence. Christ has already won the victory and will graciously forgive. So therefore return to the Lord your God. Why? Because he is gracious and merciful and abounding in steadfast love and will abundantly pardon you. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.